I believe that God's plan for my life always has a what and a when. Now, I've, got, I've been accused of overpronouncing words when I uh, especially say words with a WH. And so when I say what, I want you to know what I'm talking about. And when I say when, now you're getting it, right? So you're going to know that all the way through this study today. But I want you to say it with me. Come on, let's say it together. God's plan for my life always has a... Now, you didn't say it the right way. You got to say it my way. What, okay, and a... Okay, so you're going to say the yellow words. Ready? God's plan for my life always has a... And a... I believe that. I believe that God's plan for my life always has a what and a when. Unfortunately, once we know what God wants us to do, we think we're supposed to do it immediately. And in fact, sometimes we think that it is sin if we don't do it immediately. And so we don't ask the when question. We just jump. Once we know what God wants us to do, we rarely ask when. And that's always a huge mistake because we know Timing is everything, right? It really is. Even when we're talking about God's plan, timing is everything. Moses knew that he was called to do something, but he didn't stop to ask when. And as a result, he got way ahead of God's timing in his life. Take a look. Acts 7, verse 30. We read that 40 years later in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. Now, if you don't know, we're in the midst of a series. We're part two, so it's a good time. If you're new, it's a good time to jump in with us. We're in the midst of this series called Press Pause, and we've been talking about how God speaks to us and how we need to be open to that. And in this situation, we're reading that 40 years later, I want you to circle those words on your outline. Would you do that? 40 years later. Say it with me. 40 years later. Last week, I said, how many of you would be willing to wait 40 years for God's plan? That's a long time, 40 years later. So I read those words in Acts 7, and I ask the question, 40 years later from what, right? 40 years after Moses had made a mess of things when he tried to do what he thought God had wanted him to do, but he was too early. Moses was born into a Hebrew family. We talked about this last week. If you missed last week, go on our podcast and, and listen to it. He was born into this Hebrew family, but they, they, through a crazy divine series of events, we read in Acts 7.21 that Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. And then we read that when Moses was 40 years old, I read that to the sirens here, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite, so Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. Now, you, you need to realize Moses was no backwoods kid. Moses was a very qualified leader. He was very trained, very prepared to be a leader. Moses knew what God wanted to do through him, and he assumed that everyone would realize what God wanted to do through him, that he was the leader. When we know what God wants us to do and things don't happen fast enough, we begin to look for ways to jumpstart God's plan, don't we? We begin to look for ways to get things moving, to make things happen. 
when we know we get impatient. We try to make things happen sooner because we're so driven by a sense of purpose. Sometimes we inadvertently take matters into our own hands and we leave God out of the loop. And so heightened by the crisis of the situation, Moses took this premature, premature action and he faced consequences. Take a look, Exodus 2. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. When are, why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to the one who had started the fight. And the man said to him, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And Moses was afraid. And he thought to himself, everyone knows what I did. See, he risked everything. I mean, I want, you to, I want you to think about this for just a moment. I don't really have time to unpack this, but just for a moment, think about Moses was raised in Pharaoh's household. He was being trained to be a prince of Egypt, but yet he was not Egyptian. He was truly Hebrew, and when he went out and saw his people being mistreated by the Egyptians, the, the Hebrews were slaves, had been serving for over 400 years under Egyptian bondage, and he saw his people being mistreated, mistreated he felt um, justice and a cause. And so he moved on that and he defended his brother who was being beaten to the point where he killed the Egyptian. So in his action, he risked everything, thinking that he was doing the right thing, only to have the ones he was defending say to him, hey, wait, who put you in charge? Hey, buddy, who made you boss over us? Because we certainly didn't. Maybe you've experienced something like this. Maybe you've, you know, pulled off something big for God. Maybe you've tried to make things happen for God. And, and you face the consequences of being outside of God's plan, of, of being outside of God's timing. And so nothing is accomplished. Nothing really happens. Remember the phrase, God, God's plan always has a What? And a when. Come on, say it with me. A what and a when. It's important for us to realize. It's important for us to catch because timing is everything. Take a look, verse 15. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. So don't miss this. Moses was forced to leave the place he grew up, the home he grew up in. He was forced to leave his homeland. He was forced to run away from the life that he had known. He was forced to run away from everything that he had experienced, everyone that he had loved. He had to leave. And now he found himself on the backside of, of nowhere, some desert area, Midian. And Moses wasn't aware of it, but what had really happened is the page had just been turned. And Moses had stepped into the next chapter, a new chapter in his life of what God was beginning to do. And guess what? It all started with crisis. And I know none of us like crisis. We try to avoid crisis. And yet, truthfully, all of us grow more during crisis than at any other time in our life. This was true with Moses. Andy Stanley is a pastor that I follow and he writes this, God allows us to rev our engines in the starting blocks long enough for us to overheat and shut down. 
He allows us to wait until our faith is in him and in him alone. The bigger the plan, the more important it is that your faith be grounded in his ability, not yours. He brings you to that place by stretching and even straining your faith, so be encouraged. The agony you are experiencing is normal. The loneliness you feel is to be expected. The sleepless nights when you stare up at the ceiling and think, what have I gotten myself into, are part of the process. All of those experiences will ultimately lead you to the conclusion that, God, if you don't come through, I'm sunk. And that is exactly where God wants you to be. It's true. Get this down. God is using the circumstances I'm facing to prepare me for his plan. To prepare me. To prepare you. In the circumstances that you're facing right now. And I would say that most of us, not all, because some of us may have it really good right now. But most of us may be facing difficult circumstances. Or at least stressful circumstances or or trying circumstances we're being stretched and you need to know today i need to know that god is in the midst of those circumstances that he's using those circumstances to prepare us see he's got a plan he's got the what and he's got the timing he's got the when and in the middle of the the timing of Not yet, but soon, in that season of our life, guess what? He is preparing us for what he wants to do, what he wants to do in your life. You need to hear that today. He's using the circumstances that we find ourselves in to prepare us. So when you go to work, go to school, go to your job, go to wherever tomorrow, face people, whatever, If it's one of those stressful, difficult, trying situations, circumstances, and you think to yourself, what have I gotten myself into? Here I am again in this place. I want you to add this thought. God is preparing me. God is preparing me. You know why that's a word of hope? It's because he's preparing you for something, maybe something else, but he's preparing you. We need to hear that today. God is using our circumstances. Look at verse 15. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. I love that, just that one verse. When he got there, he sat down. Think about what Moses had just been through. What a whirlwind of activity, a whirlwind of crisis, running for his life. Pharaoh was chasing you, king of the world. Literally, at that time, in that age, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, he was the guy. And he had his soldiers pursuing you, and you were running. You were a fugitive, running for your life. And he comes to the backside of nowhere in this desert. He comes to a well, and he sits down. The Sinai Desert is incredibly barren. This is the desert that he had to go through to get to Midian. Barren, hot, arid, sandy. It's punctuated by chunks of rock and bushes. Don't you love that shot of the Midian Sinai Desert Peninsula? That, that, is, that picture says it all. It's about what it is. And this is where he found himself. Can you imagine Moses stumbling his way through this God-forsaken wasteland? With every step, Moses is probably saying to himself, that's it, I blew it. My life is over. I'll never be anything. I'm done. Maybe you've been there before. 
Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you look around and you, you say, why have I pushed myself like this? Nothing has happened. Nothing, is, nothing has worked. I've, I've gotten nowhere. Maybe when you look around your life and the circumstances of your life, maybe all you see is desert. Maybe you feel done, exhausted. Maybe you feel hopeless or lifeless. Maybe it could be you collapsing in exhaustion next to that well in the desert. So broken and lonely, Moses slumps to the ground. Moses has done life his way, <laughs> and it has led him to the backside of nowhere. But see, Moses has come to the place where God wants him to be. Some of us need to hear that today. That in the midst of the desert that you find yourself in, you are right where God wants you to be right now. It says, now the priests of Midian, verse 16, had seven daughters who came out as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flock. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I find it so interesting that Moses is used as a deliverer as a rescuer, as a savior. I mean, on a smaller scale, granted. I mean, you know, far less important people here on the backside of nowhere, these shepherdesses that are, you know, moving their flocks in. And earlier, Moses was sure that he was going to deliver. He was the man for the nation. But now he's delivering seven girls from some mean shepherds. He's standing up to the bullies. And something that I've learned and something that you need to learn is that God wants me willing to be used at any level. It's part of the preparing process. He wants me willing to be used at any level. I kind of think, I don't know, but I, I just kind of read into narratives when I read through Scripture. And I, I kind of think that God may have said, Moses, you want a job as a deliverer? Here you go. These seven girls need someone who's going to step up and champion their cause. Are you willing? And I love the fact that the scripture says that he jumped up and rescued them. He didn't hesitate. He moved. This happens on the backside of nowhere. No one would ever know. No one would ever see. He wasn't in the spotlight he wasn't on the stage. He was in the middle of the desert. You know, all too often I, I see people who aren't willing to roll up their sleeves and, and just get in there unless the involvement is on a large scale, unless the involvement is going to make a big splash or, or the person there going to be noticed. Friends, God doesn't work that way. I'm telling you right now, God does not work that way. You will always see God starting people out on a low level before he moves them up. You will always see God doing this. We've got good proof throughout Scripture. I mean, Joseph, Joshua, David, Nehemiah, Peter, Paul, just to name a few people, went through this process just like Moses. Moses could have shrugged this off. He had every reason to look the other way. He could have said, ah, oh, let somebody else take care of this. I'm tired. 
I'm done. But Moses made a chance to get involved where he was. And I can't tell you, I can't emphasize enough how many times I'm approached by people who want to do something big for God. And they tell me that. I want to do something big for God. And then I always give them the same response. You may want to write this down. There's not a blank for this. But you may want to write this down. Because this is for all of us. Get involved right now where you are at whatever level you can. That's what I tell people when they come to me. I want to do something great for God. I tell them, get involved right now where you are at whatever level you can. Get involved right now where you are. Don't wait. Don't think that it has to be something big because God doesn't work in the big right away. Get involved where you are right now at whatever level you can. Get in there. Be committed. Be faithful. Be fruitful. And then see what God does. See how God uses you. I think back this week, I was thinking back to how God got myself and my wife started in doing what we do. And I remember starting out leading songs for a junior high youth group. I was the volunteer worship leader. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just, you know, my youth pastor came to me and said, Bart, you can sing. I said, yeah, a little. He said, I want you to lead songs for our youth group. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, but I was willing to jump. God started me at a level. I, I remember being um, asked um, to, to get involved in the team that put together. I went to a Christian high school and put, uh, be put on a team that put together chapel services. We had weekly chapel services and to have people come in and plan the service and all. Little did I know, I, didn't, I had no idea that God was preparing me for what he would do in my life in the future, way back in high school. I remember serving on the first worship team of my home church, and I met this girl named Dee Dee. Had no idea who she was. Now I've been married to her over 30 years. Had no idea what God was doing and how he was preparing me. I remember Dee Dee and I being asked to be the volunteer youth sponsors in the high school group at our church, to, to be the volunteer choir director for the high school choir in our churches. Be, you know, getting involved wherever we could get involved. We started small, and as time passed, God began to move us to a different level, to, to other levels. And I'm so glad that God started me that way. Um, it, it, it allows me, because I started on a lower level, it, it allows me to have a heart and an awareness for all levels. Um, I, I got to tell you, if you're here, if you're listening to this and you're involved in ministry here at Pathway Church, you, you really have no idea how much I pray for you. Because I know what it's like to serve as a volunteer. Not just a paid pastor, but I've been there. You, you, you have no idea how much I value your time and your effort as a volunteer. Because I remember serving and wondering if I was doing anything, if I was making a difference. And having a leader come alongside me and say, hey, Bart, you're doing a good job. Thank you. You have no idea how I value you. You really have no idea how seriously I take my responsibility of leading and helping you. 
I, I want to encourage you, if you are not involved, get involved. Let God use you. You say, well, I'm just not at a place in my life right now where I can be used. Moses wasn't either. I mean, look at where Moses was. And yet God still wanted to use him. Get involved right now where you are at whatever level you can. Look at the next part, verse 17. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Read these last few words with me. Then he drew water for their flocks. (laughs) Can you believe this? Moses, prince of Egypt, pulling water out of a well for the sheep and the goats. That's servant work. Slaves do that kind of work. Hmm. Defending the girls, I can see him doing, but watering the flock? Wow. That's a stretch for me to imagine Moses doing something like that. God was definitely changing him. Something else I've learned, God wants me to be, a willing, uh, to be willing to be a servant. He wants me willing to be a servant. Far too many people resist getting their hands dirty. They, want to, they don't want to be inconvenienced. They don't, they don't want to get involved in the messy part of the job or the boring behind-the-scenes part of the task. Or They just want to be in the spotlight. They want to be in the polished part. They want to be in the fun part. But for those who serve, no matter the job, they get in on God's blessing. And it's in the serving process, the serving part of the process, that it makes the biggest impact. And we see that. In verse 18, when the girls returned to their father, he asked, why are you back so soon today? Well, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered. And then he drew water away. It wasn't just for the flocks. He drew water for us and watered our flocks. Friends, I'm convinced it's the serving part that continues God's process in our lives. That as we serve, God begins to move and change us. Practically, it was this serving action that impressed everyone in Moses' life, including their father. Take a look. Well, where is he? Their father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. He said, hey, he served you. You girls, what are you doing? You left him at the well. He just served you. Invite him over for dinner. We got to meet this guy because most people don't do what what he just did. Bring him home. I don't know, maybe this father was trying to get one of his daughters married. But anyway, you know, he said, bring this guy home. We don't get many people out here where we are. Notice this last part. Moses accepted the invitation and he settled there with him. Circle the word settled. You know what that means? Lived. You know what that means? Settled in. That means that he decided to stay. I read those five words and, I, and, I, and it pushes on me to think that Moses decided to stay there with a man he didn't know in an obscure place on the backside of nowhere. Friends, when we come to the end of ourselves, to the place where we're totally dependent on God, when we finally come to the place where we're willing to do whatever, whenever, however, according to God's timing and God's plan, when we finally come to the place where we're willing to give up and let God shape us and guide us and lead us, then, and only then, 
Are we right where God wants us? Because he can change us and shape us. See, he's preparing us. He's preparing you right now for what he wants to do in your life. It's just not quite the when yet. Something I want to leave you with today, I, I was going to stop here and I, I felt really on Friday that God said, there's just a little bit more, Bart, that you need to leave him with. I want you to, I want you to get this down. God is not done with me. Say it with me. God is not done with me. In fact, turn to somebody near you and just look them right in the eye and say, God is not done with me. He really isn't. He's not done with you. I think some of us need to hear this today. How do I know that God is not done with you? Because I know that God wasn't done with Moses. We're, you know, we're on this side of the story of Moses, so we, we know how the story ends. We've read the end of the book, right? So we know where it goes. Acts 7.30 again says, 40 years later in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. We know that it's not yet, but 40 years from now, Moses, you, you may be slumped down at this well in the middle of nowhere, but 40 years from now, God's going to speak to you. It doesn't feel like anything right now. You feel like you're done, that you're finished, that these things are going nowhere, nothing is happening, and God is saying, oh, no, 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 I'm not done with you yet. We're just getting started. I mean, come on, do the math. How old was Moses when God spoke to him through the burning bush? 80. He's just starting with Moses at 80. If anything, that should give us some hope in this room, right? Because I'm not 80 yet, so that means that God's not done with me. How about you? He's not done with me yet. We need to hear that. How do I know that God's not done? Because notice what happens when God shows up in Moses' life 40 years later. Look at it, Exodus 3. We're going to get to this in a couple of weeks, but just look at this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush, and Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. Listen, when God begins to speak to you, you need to respond to him. Here I am. Here I am, God. I hear you, God. You're speaking to me. I hear you, God. I'm right here. Look what happens. God says to him, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And look at what Moses does. Moses covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses covered his face because I think probably he was thinking, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe after all these years, 40 years later, that God is speaking to me. I can't believe that God didn't bail on me, that he didn't abandon me. I can't believe this is happening. And the Lord told him, I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress. Because of the harsh slave drivers, yes, I am aware of their suffering. 
God was saying, hey, Moses, I am not blind. I have not been blind for the last 40 years, the last 400 years. I have not been blind to the fact of what's going on in my people's lives, and I care for my people. Nothing has escaped my notice. Not even you in the backside of nowhere in the middle of Midian for 40 years. I see, I know, I care. And so God says to Moses, I have come down to rescue them, my people, from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the people of Israel have reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Wait, wait for it right here. Here's the word, circle the word, now. Circle it, now. God says to Moses, now, right now, 40 years later, you've been waiting 40 years to be used. Guess what? Now, go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Do you know what word Moses heard louder than any other word? Now. Now. Now is the day. Now is the time. It's an interesting word, this word now. From the original Hebrew language that this text was written in originally, it's transliterated. It's, what it means is there's not really an English word that completely defines what the writer is trying to indicate. And so the, the English um, translators kind of get the, the best, closest word they can to describe it. And in the Hebrew word, it's the word atah. And, 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 it, and it has to do with timing, but it's, but it's more than timing. It's like it's, it's, it's not just a when, it's a, it's a how, and it's a what. It's, it's, it's all of it combined, that it's like right now it's going to burst open on you. Are you ready? Hmm. It's a word that indicates timing. Right now. You know what that tells me? Same thing that it told me in the beginning. Get this down. God's plan for my life always has a what and a when. Come on, say it with me. God's plan for my life always has a what and a when. So God knows what he's doing. He has a plan. God is still at work in your life. <laughs> it's just behind the scenes. And God hasn't forgotten you. It's just not the right time yet. One day, maybe soon, God will come along and he'll say to you, now, would you bow your heads with me?